0: Okay, Caitlin, you have got to tell me what's going on with this new curriculum because I'm hearing maybe some bad things and I've been dying to, to know what the details are.
1: Okay, well, I want to start off by saying for those of you that might not know that I am a teacher, so this is very near and dear to my heart, this new curriculum. I'm in my third year of teaching and I've taught... Um, from grade three to grade nine. Um, And I'm going to try to give you this information with as little interjections of my personal opinion as possible. I would like to deliver (laughs) a unbiased report of this uh, new curriculum, which will be very difficult. So I'm sure uh, my opinions will seep through but I will try my very best to just deliver the facts.
0: Well, that's uh, honorable of you.
1: (laughs) Okay, so uh, to go back, so the Alberta curriculum right now was made at different times. So the social one is actually from 2005, the one, the social, the social one that the kids are using is from 2005. And the science one is from 1996. So
0: do they write them like by subject separately?
1: They they did it for social because um, the argument was made that uh, social needed to be updated the most because the things in history and the things we thought were important to learn um, to teach students how to be good citizens changed, whereas the science takes longer for it to change. So that's why the science has been in place since 1996, which is pretty crazy. That is a very long time. Like the science has changed since 1996. Yeah, as far as I know,
0: science changes as well. Yes. Maybe not as fast as social, but there's there's changes.
1: Yes, there definitely is changes. And I think um, a lot of the other material is kind of circling around 1999. So it's all pretty old. So it was decided by the um, NDP government that we needed to change the curriculum. Uh, $64 million was put aside for this goal. And originally, they were going to make the grade one to four curriculum and roll it out in 2018. Then they were going to do five to nine and roll that out in 2019. And then they were going to do the high school in 2022. Okay, obviously, that did not happen. Because what we're talking about today is just the draft that CPC got from of the new social and fine arts curriculum for grade ones to four. So we are at least two years behind on this project, but that goes with anything. And like I said, it's gonna be about a $64 million project and four million of that um, was supposed to be invested specifically into um, adding indigenous cultures and uh, modes of learning into the curriculum. So, that was promised by the NDP government.
0: I just want to ask so it's 64 million for grades one to four, not for all grades new curriculum?
1: It's 64 million, I believe, for all of it. Okay. The whole project but is 64 million. All that's million.
0: new information right now is the one to four social and fine arts?
1: Yes. That's all okay. we have information for right now. And that's not out. Uh, we just got access to their working documents of that part yet and so i don't know where they're at with the science and the english and the math um we don't i will talk about this further on but we don't actually have a lot of information of what's going on and how what the progress is for it but we have seen now a draft of the social and fine arts
0: and fine arts is like drama art music yeah anything else in under that headline Mm, okay Got it. All right. What's next?
1: Okay, so I'm going to start by talking about what I saw in the curriculum. I mostly looked at uh, the social curriculum. I spent a little bit of time looking at the music curriculum, but I'm going to talk in detail about the social curriculum. So it started with two pages of explanation, um, a bit of a defense for their curriculum, which was very interesting. So it started off by saying that if you were a citizen of Germany in 1989 and you heard that the Berlin Wall was coming down. um, There is a lot of different things you would need to know to understand what that meant. You would have to know uh, the political climate of Germany at the time. You would have to understand the Cold War. You would have to understand the consequences of World War II. So they were just basically talking about like having um, understanding of our world and what's happening in our world politically is a big puzzle piece and you need A big puzzle, and you need a lot of different pieces to understand the puzzle as a whole, which I totally agreed with. Um, They decided that um, they want students to have a general knowledge, and they quoted Amy von Haking. Now we will come back to her, but Amy von Haking had previously stated that our current Social curriculum was vague and too general, so they want this new curriculum to be very specific. Um, So they want explicit knowledge. Now, what they're calling this explicit knowledge is um, core knowledge. Now, I actually looked up core knowledge because they referenced it a lot of times. So, core knowledge is a curriculum theory. So it describes what a student should know, not what a student should be able to do. That's what core knowledge says. Okay. So right now in the curriculum, it mostly says what a student should be able to do. Like a student should be able to um, understand their role in A community or a student should be able to understand the political impacts of World War Two but if you're talking about what a student should know those are more detailed facts Um, when I was reading about core knowledge and I was reading this out of the curriculum I did separate research for core knowledge um, I was reading that core knowledge is not a method of teaching exclusively on lectures and memorization Um, It's a curriculum that can be compatible with group work, literature-based learning, um, inquiry-based questions. So although they're giving you specifics of what a student should know, you can incorporate it in different ways. It doesn't just have to be memorization. Now, core knowledge from what I read um, is only supposed to be half of a school's curriculum. The other half is supposed to be more um, inquiry-based open-ended questions. They don't want the entire curriculum to be core knowledge because then there's really no room for students to explore. So ideally in a classroom you want students to be really engaged in a topic and in order to be engaged a lot of times that means they have to be able to like they have to have the ability to explore a topic. But if you just give them a list of dates that they have to memorize there's no exploration happening. You're just memorizing so right. that's why these core knowledge people said that that should only be 50 percent of a curriculum okay. so the ucp has decided that core knowledge is the way to go they've put all their eggs into the core knowledge basket huh. and even though core knowledge its knowledge itself says it's only supposed to be 50 percent, i so, see oh, it being so, so most
0: the, the theory like the publishers of the theory believe it, it caps out at 50 in terms of Productivity and yes you know, being beneficial.
1: That's exactly right.
0: All right. So less room to grow for the children, <laughs> less room to explore more things they know.
1: Exactly. So at the beginning in back to these two pages that was kind of defending this new social curriculum, they said um that it's really important for students to use their memory muscles and they need to start using their memory muscles at a young age. Um, so in grade two, they need to memorize four dates for social studies. In grade three, they need to memorize 14 dates. In grade four, they need to memorize 36. And those are building on each other. So the four dates you need to memorize in grade two are a part of the 14 dates you need to memorize for grade three and so on. They emphasized in this introduction that this is not supposed to be drill and kill, but instead it can be fun, quiz-based, and competitive in order to help the students memorize these dates. They used the words drill and kill? Yeah. So it's not drill and kill. Okay. Is this a good time for me to just ask?
0: I I got a couple questions. (laughs) Okay. I thought where we're at in terms of science, because science changes and progresses, that memorization was not the best way to learn and that um, competitions really just kind of hurt a lot of kids, especially those with kind of test anxiety and maybe public speaking anxiety and... I I know that this uh, like <laughs> the kids who love competition will excel at this but it's maybe leaving some in the dust.
1: Yeah, so this is where the issue gets extremely political for education because some people argue specifically for competition, that it's really bad for students. Like you said, it heightens their anxiety. It's not um, a way for them to learn. But other people argue that nowadays we're being too soft on kids. Mm. We should have competition. You know, not everyone can win at everything. Not everyone can get a trophy. There has to be elitists in the world. Not everyone can be a neurosurgeon, right? You have to find your place. So... um, the other side of the coin is that there should be competition now i I don't know the science behind memorization as much because, like you said, my what I've been told is that that is not a good way to get students to learn. so I don't know the flip side to that coin, um, but obviously there is a flip side because the UCP has decided that memorization is
0: well, very like important. even back as far as when we were in junior high, I remember people saying you would memorize something and then you would regurgitate it out onto the page in the test and it would be gone from your memory forever because you never truly understood it. You just memorized it and then deposited it in the appropriate place. And that was that.
1: Well, that's very interesting because we will get back to that comment because <laughs> there are some things that are uh, kind of directly in line with that. Okay. Um, So, and they also suggested that probably the best way to help kids memorize these dates was to spend between 10 to 20 minutes a day on it, which I thought was really interesting because if you think, like this curriculum specifically only talking about grade one to four students, but when you are in junior high, you only have 45 minutes of social and you don't necessarily have social every day, but they're suggesting to spend 10 to 20 minutes on memorization. Yeah, that's a pretty
0: significant chunk. Like it's like, OK, 10 minutes. That's that's no big deal at all. But if you compare it with the actual class time of actual classes, then you see where the is. Yeah,
1: it is. sounds small. But yeah, when you ten, look like, at the yeah. minutes <laughs> per day, I mean, it's a it's a good portion of your social studies for your day. OK, so now going into the actual curriculum, uh, they divided it into different sections. So they decided that social studies was uh, students should be learning geography history, political science, and um, economics. And I actually really liked the layout from a teaching perspective. They had um, more columns than they do in our current curriculum, and it was laid out in a table. Um, I thought it was easier to read than the curriculum now, just as a visual perspective. So I appreciated that. And um, like I was saying, Von Haking... Amy Von Haking, a re- she's actually a researcher at the uh, University of Lethbridge. She, they quoted her saying that the social curriculum now is vague and general, and that is absolutely true. It is vague and general. Um, and this curriculum was extremely specific to the point where it was listing symbols that grade one through four have to know. And it listed the six symbols. Now, nowhere in the current curriculum does it say that. In the current curriculum, it has very um, broad statements, like a grade one student needs to understand, like I was saying, their role in the community. And if you look at the textbook, there's specific examples about how to teach grade one students the role in their community, but the curriculum just says their role in the community, and it doesn't really tell you exactly how to teach them that. So this one is extremely specific. So I'll get into some of the specifics. So grade ones needed to know the name of one indigenous group in their area, how they lived, the tools they used, what they hunted, the role of animals, clothing, and how they survived. Grade ones also needed to listen and memorize First Nation creation stories, Christian creation stories. Um, but they said you could teach those with science as well. So they were justifying the Christian creation stories being within social studies. Okay. Grade 1s were also going to study the religion, monotheistic religions, so the religions with one God. The grade 1s were going to learn about the Middle East um, and how God revealed himself to humans and they needed to recognize symbols from all those three different religions.
0: Because... uh... The other religions are worthless, or are they just, they like the big well, three?
1: I assume the, <laughs> I assume the argument for not learning about all religions is that we were learning about the religions that's more prominent well, for our country.
0: We don't want to confuse the children. Yes. They should know which <laughs> god to worship, of course.
1: Yes, sure. Yeah. <laughs> um, Okay, for grade two, some things they needed to know uh, was the products of the Alberta economy. They needed to know all the ways our products get in and out of our province. And those it specifically said those six uh, modes of transportation needed to be memorized. Uh, the grade two students, like I said, needed to memorize four dates. Uh, they needed to be able to tell a story to the class from memory, like a creation story. And they suggested a public speaking competition. This is weird. Like in the curriculum, it suggested a public teaching competition, which is strange because we just talked about how competition is kind of a controversial issue. But also in our curriculum now, there is no, um, suggestions as to what activities to do like there's that's not listed it's just general topic so nowhere does it say do a public speaking competition um question
0: well i just want to say like again back in our day if if you felt really confident in your spelling you would go and you would take the initiative to compete in the spelling bee it wasn't forced upon you you could sit that one out if you wanted to you didn't even have to watch i don't think but if you were like oh i'm so smart my spelling is you know top-notch I'm gonna I'm gonna compete I'm gonna win
1: yeah well and it's very different to say the kids are gonna compete with memorizing four dates that's probably achievable for most students to memorize four dates it's a little bit different to hold a public speaking competition if someone told me I had to take part in a public speaking competition I would be a very unhappy person <laughs> I'm not a grade one or two Yeah, no, it's
0: tough for a lot of kids. And the only competition I could really think of that we had to do was like mad minutes. Like in math, when you're doing multiplication tables as fast as you can. And even then, it wasn't like, you know, we weren't really really competing against each other. We were trying to get better scores every single day. And like, that was fine, I guess. But (laughs) it wasn't my favorite thing to do.
1: No, I know actually i particularly really loved them but yeah <laughs> uh, you're good Adam.
0: i'm sure i was only okay <laughs> uh, that's
1: funny um okay so what i found very interesting in this is in the beginning of the document they said grade twos needed to memorize four dates but i used the little search function in my document and they used the word memorize or um learn from memory 12 different times 12 yes okay
0: that...
1: <laughs> 12 different times in the document that seems
0: significant how many pages is the document 20 okay so we're, we're talking about over half yes <laughs> every page has so got to include something about memorizing they
1: had to memorize four dates yes that's true but like i just said for this one example they needed to memorize the six ways uh the economy the our products moved in and out of the alberta economy so That's more than just four dates. They made it sound like not very many at the beginning. They were like, just don't worry. It's just four dates that they have to memorize. It's
0: raising questions for
1: me. (laughs) It is. But on the flip side of it, I'm always trying to look at the flip side for this, um, is... Like, if you're asking students to write a test of any time, there's memorization in that. Absolutely. But it's just not stated in the curriculum right now. We don't have to make them memorize. They could learn it in a different way. But most teachers adhere to tests that force you to memorize anyways. So... Is this really that different than the way we're doing it now? Not necessarily, except for that we're also talking about grade ones and twos right now. I haven't even moved into threes and fours yet.
0: Even just because we're talking about um, kids so young, I want to ask your opinion. I've also heard talk that we should be abolishing tests altogether, or at least the really hard ones at the end of the year. (laughs) And I don't know, maybe, maybe, maybe that should be the case for like up until you're eight or nine or 10. And then after that, like, okay, you can handle a test. (laughs) This
1: goes like directly in line with what I was talking about with competition, because there is plenty of research that says that standardized tests, well, when I say plenty, I mean like Almost all the research says that standardized tests are not a good way for our students to learn, that they're not an accurate representation of how smart they are, that they are not good. But then the other argument is that you have to differentiate them somehow and not everyone can get 100% and not everyone can go to university. There has to be some
0: hierarchy. The resources it would cost to monitor children yes like what you have people just to look at you all the time instead of writing tests that would be worse
1: it it would be a very difficult challenge to get rid of tests completely because how do you how do you assess them who is the best in the class who is the worst in the class like there's no way to number them and our the reality is is that our society just doesn't work that way I would love to live in a society where the kids don't have to be tested. But we're tested at all turns. I mean, when you go to a job interview, you're being You're competing against people. In some ways, that is a test. It's just not a multiple choice test.
0: Well, maybe what needs to happen, maybe this is just my thought right now, but maybe just kind of divorcing it from the grades and the grade anxiety kids might have and being more like, these aren't for marks, but we need them anyway because we got to know if you're smart or dumb, but at least you won't be coming home and feeling terrible about yourself or like struggling with the anxiety. Yes. Like maybe there'll be less pressure on them because I know kids get feel, feel there's pressure on it.
1: That is true. And like people have talked about like like we've, you know, the diploma exams were worth 50% and now they're only worth 30% in Alberta. So there is like that shift is happening. Um but it's just happening slowly, and now we're moving backwards. But <laughs> okay, all right. Okay, so um, the headlines of this new curriculum were stating that um, it was moving backwards, and that Alberta was basically going to be a laughing stock, uh, because of the direction the new curriculum was going. And, Wait, who's saying we're going to be a laughing stock? Uh multiple different like. For example, Amy von Haking, uh, there was lots of researchers at the U of A and at the U of L that were stating that this is not going to be... Because it looks obviously
0: like a step backwards to other parties. Yeah,
1: because like I said, the research is is pointing away from memorization and away from those standardized ways of teaching students. Okay. So we are going... This is going to more specific, more standardized than we even are right now. Um. And it was also widely criticized because uh, it was stated that um, they were not going to teach students about residential schools in grade one through four because residential schools were too sad. And it said direct, again, directly in the curriculum, which is just so strange for me because the curriculum now doesn't say things like this, but it said in the curriculum that it would probably be best to teach about residential schools in grade nine through a uh, as a case study for a broader topic. So they weren't even taking like a deep dive into residential schools. It was just going to be mentioned in grade okay. nine. I,
0: I have some opinions on that. <laughs> okay. um, when I first heard about it, I was like, okay, well, maybe grades one to four, whatever, that's, that's not the biggest deal. Like they are young. But in passing in grade nine, here's why that doesn't work. Because of Orange Shirt Day, okay? If they, like, kids are going to be doing Orange Shirt Day in kindergarten grade one a grade two and grade three, but they were not going to know the context. And maybe you don't have to get into, like, the nitty-gritty details of what went down in residential schools, but they should at least know that there were these bad places and now we have to wear orange shirts just to remember that people were really hurt by this.
1: Okay. So, in my opinion, which I said I was going to try to not stay, <laughs> but here we go. Yeah, let's hear it. Okay. In my opinion, I think that it is important to learn about these topics in order to teach students about compassion, okay? It's really hard to put yourself into someone else's shoes if you have no idea what shoes they're wearing. You have to have those details in order to have compassion. I think that students who um, would be prejudiced against Indigenous peoples of Canada need to learn about their history in order to to understand, to have compassion, to grow, to learn, all of those things. You cannot do that if you don't understand someone else's situation. So I think compassion can be taught at a very young age. And like you said, maybe they don't need all the specifics, but it's okay to know that something bad happened and there was consequences to this thing that happened. Now, a lot of people are really upset about the religious... um, portions that have been added into the curriculum because they believe that in a public school religion should not be taught at all which is a totally valid argument and when people send their kids to public schools that's under the assumption that religion is not going to be forced upon their kid and religion and government should be separated we've decided that a very long time ago however I think the argument to adding religion again is compassion It said in this curriculum that they wanted students to learn about Islam and the Middle East and how Judaism, Christianity, and Islam were all connected. I think that that's a good thing because it's teaching them compassion. And right now, there is a lot of Islamophobia. But if we are telling kids in grade one, hey, look, we actually are similar to these people, that might be okay. So there's my uh, opinion.
0: Well, that makes a lot of sense. I agree with that.
1: So, a couple other things that were just in the curriculum um, they there was a heavy emphasis on uh, Greek and Roman history in grade threes. Um, they also wanted to teach grade threes that there was four things you could do with money: invest, save, spend, or donate
0: That is interesting. <laughs>
1: I also thought it was interesting because I've heard many people, and even when we were in high school, we would say things like, "Well, oh, we're not learning anything useful. Like yeah. you are not even telling us what to do with money they or certainly what." Certainly, <laughs> weren't
0: saying the word invest yeah. or donate.
1: <laughs> yes, exactly. So I thought that was that was interesting. You know, there are some positives. Um, in grade four, this wording I thought was very interesting. I had to write it down. It said, "Students will know one with a maximum of two local First Nation government structures." Which seemed like kind of suspicious to me because it said one with a maximum of yeah. two. Don't you
0: dare learn three structures.
1: <laughs> so the, again, like the specifics in this document were unbelievable. Nowhere as a teacher am I given the a maximum of what students can learn. It says, give a, one example of a metaphor, but a maximum of two examples of a metaphor. You know, like that's it's kind of weird.
0: Well, and... It's my understanding that when you draft a document like this, it's you're paying very close attention to the wording on purpose. So yes, definitely raises everything some eyebrows.
1: May, everything means something. Okay, so to go in a, towards a bit of the criticisms of this curriculum because that was what the headlines were about. Like I was saying, big criticisms. Um, there is a lack of clarity on the advisors. They're not really telling us who's making this curriculum. We only have two names right now. One is William French. He's a board member of the Shakespeare Company in Calgary. And another one is Chris Champion. Uh, he was a former staffer of Jason Kenny. Chris Champion is a controversial figure because he was stated saying that um, teaching about First Nations in school is a fad.
0: So. Chris Champion... You know what? I didn't like his name when you said it, but I didn't know what was coming next. A fad?
1: Yes, a fad. So there's a a lot to unpack there, but I'm not stating (laughs) my opinion. Yeah, let's move on. (laughs) Okay, so um, the panel of advisors... previous to September, were actually all male advisors. So as you can imagine, there was an extreme amount of pushback to the fact that there was only males working on the curriculum. So in September, they added four Indigenous elders and seven women. However, CBC reached out to the four Indigenous elders. Uh, Only one got back to them, Pat McCormick, and said that... um, had never seen any drafts of the curriculum yet
0: so they were labeled as advisors but actually had 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 nothing to yes. do with this yet
1: now they've technically only been advisors for two months and i don't know how much work they've done on the curriculum in those two months so one could argue that it's like a lack of time that they haven't been advised or seen any drafts but as of right now they are on staff for the advisors for the to be on the panel uh but they haven't done anything yet interesting
0: that is that is interesting <laughs>
1: um like i mentioned at the very beginning in the introduction to the curriculum they mentioned amy von haking so i was like okay well i should probably look up who amy von haking is so i did and she is um education professor at the university of leftbridge and um they cited her many times in the beginning. Um, as Amy Von Haking supporting them. They took direct quotes that she had said and interwoven them with the explanation or the defense of their curriculum. Um, But Amy Von Haking was actually on the panel for the curriculum last year, and she has stated since these documents were released that uh, they did not listen to anything the panel suggested. So. Okay. So she (laughs) was on it
0: in the early days. Now she doesn't support it anymore, but they're still using her as a citation of support.
1: Okay, so I didn't really look at the art curriculum because I don't know art very much, but I actually got some information about the music curriculum, and it's very fascinating. Um, some really banger of songs were listed, such as "America the Beauty," <laughs> "The Star-Spangled Banner," "Take Me Out to the Ball Game," which is a great one. Yeah, that's a objectively, good one. <laughs> I, like I think one those too, are yeah. all fantastic songs, but not "O Canada." Oh, Canada was not mentioned. Um, so, so it. This is, re- this is songs they
0: have to memorize. N-
1: not have to memorize, but ones you should be learning in like grade one music.
0: Well, I guess they're just assuming o Canada. You already like sing it on the morning announcements. It looked so. a
1: little like they had slightly copied and pasted it from somewhere else. Because why does Alberta, unless there's some really hidden agenda here, need to learn the Star Spangled Banner? That is. Well, uh, and what was that other song? Uh, America? America, the beauty. I, I don't know if I know that one even. It's very interesting that that's on there. So it would it would be it would make a lot more sense if we were learning um, songs from England, "God Save the Queen," because Good song as well, actually, yeah, <laughs> because we are a part of that makes way less sense to be singing songs about the United yeah. States. So that was just a special little. Uh, ending to my uh, research on the curriculum so
0: i want to ask a bit more about the uh, panel or like the the people writing the document do we know how many authors there are no so it's unknown how many authors there are yeah. but we know that there's all male panelists slash four indigenous and seven women now
1: yes but no other information is being given and cbc the, these documents were not released they were found um Which is kind of concerning. Like they were leaked to CBC? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Uh, They were not released. So uh, the government wasn't like, oh, take a look at this new cool curriculum we've made. Here's a sneak peek of it. That's not what happened. Were they
0: still working on it or was it like soon to be released?
1: They're mostly still working on it because they want to roll out grades 1 to 4 all at the same time and this was just social and fine arts. Okay. So I don't know where they're at with the other subjects. So I'm assuming this is the most they have done is social and fine arts and they have not as much done for the other subjects. So this this isn't finished because the other subjects aren't finished. I mean, I don't think they were never going to come back to social even if social was technically right. finished in the document they actually had some sections that were crossed out like they were still there but someone had uh struck striped through that whole section so i don't know if they were like thinking about coming back to it because it wasn't deleted either from the document so um it's really disappointing again this is my opinion but it's really disappointing that um more about the panel and the advisors is not being released.
0: No, it's not transparent at all. It's at not all. transparent. Especially for like education and your kids' future. Like it's almost okay that it's been leaked because now it's, there's a bit of a public panel involved.
1: I think it's okay for this to be a discussion amongst multiple people. And I know that teachers are not really being asked or involved in the curriculum. They were a few years ago, like in 2016. I know they had gotten multiple, like hundreds of teachers together that were um, throwing ideas about what they thought should happen to the curriculum. But I don't know if any of those ideas have been brought forward. I know that they're not really consulting with any teachers. Um... So it's extremely disappointing that the people who are not in the classroom teaching the students, understanding what the needs of the school community are, are not writing this curriculum. And from what the research says right now, this is not following it. I can't, The current research, when you are taking education classes, um, is saying the opposite of what is included in this. They are saying that things should be even more vague because teachers should have the ability to grow on questions. And like I was saying before, students should have the ability to explore and um, learn what is what is necessary for that group. You know, I teach at a Catholic school in Calgary. The needs of my students is totally different than uh, teaching in Morley right? So the teachers have to have the room to be able to deal with those changes. And by being so specific, that's going to be impossible.
0: Yeah, that's just... The fact that they wouldn't include teachers, that's just wrong. Yeah. Honestly. Like, that that just flies in the face of, like, both common sense and your best, most rational wisdom
1: well, on what I you should Well, I don't be doing. understand the rationale. Like, just include teachers, even if you're not... Like, even if you're not going to listen to every single thing they say, why would, wouldn't you just be curious as to what they have to say? Well, you know? It almost
0: seems like a huge fu. And Correct me if I'm wrong, but the NDP, they were consulting teachers? Yes. Okay.
1: Well, they, at least as far as they had gotten, they obviously did not get as far as the UCP is now because this is a progressive project. But up until the point that the NDP was out, uh, they were consulting teachers.
0: Well, yeah, I would imagine this with ruffle feathers with the ATA and stuff, and even just you or any other teacher. I would say that the
1: word upset. is that... This is bad news bears. <laughs> <laughs> That's the word, huh? <laughs>
0: Well, and I, again, yeah, I would prefer if, like, there was just more specifics, like, who are the panelists that we are referring to and getting all our information off of? Who is writing it? Who are the authors of the document? Certain things like education... They should be more transparent.
1: Well, and this this is a political issue. So you have people like Champions saying that First Nations um, in schools is a fad. And okay, that's a perspective. But do you have <laughs> anyone else arguing the other perspective? Because I'm not saying we should only listen to the other side. It's fine. You could have Champion with that opinion that thinks it shouldn't be included at all. But can you also include people that thinks it's the absolute most important thing that it's concluded that it's included so you can meet in the middle if you only have people from one side you're never going to get to that middle which is probably exactly where we're supposed to be
0: well said is it's a there... lot of
1: my opinion which i <laughs> said I <wasn't laughs> you going know what
0: your opinion is <laughs> fair your opinion is fair but let me ask um do they have any kind of specific date as to when they're just going to release all this and roll out all grades one to four out
1: no not that okay. I have heard, besides the 2017 date, that obviously yeah, that's isn't gonna happen. Doesn't matter anymore. <laughs> that one. <laughs> that's the only dates I could find right. of what well. I let's see what
0: happens in the coming days. Maybe CBC will post more things about it, or perhaps the UCP will make an address and maybe maybe say, "Hey, we're maybe still we'll working on LaGrange. it. You'll see it in 2021." Yeah. Probably she won't say anything, <laughs> but we'll see. <laughs> okay. Uh, All right. That's call it, it there. All yep. right. Take care.